Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 27, verse 4. The Bible says, One thing, one thing, I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. Joshua 23, 14, Joshua's talking to the people, and he said, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. Has God ever given you a word? You're waiting for some of them to still come to pass? Easy and I are older, and we've had a lot of words given to us. And many of them have come to pass. We're waiting on a few, just a few. Because the longer you live, the more you can look back and go, God was faithful there. God did that. God did that. Some things took 20 years. Some things took overnight. But not one thing that God has ever said will fail. Not one thing. And so Joshua told the people, not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. God never fails. He never fails. He sends out his word. He's faithful to perform it. He doesn't let it drop to the ground. He never fails. Now, sometimes when he's beckoning us and when he's inviting us, even like he did this morning, we can fail to respond. We can fail to come to him. And so we might delay things. Things might take a little longer. He has to bring us another route, you know, and we're like, what happened to that, God? And he goes, well, I've been trying to get you there. (laughs) And so this morning, I have a really simple message. Really, if one of the preaching team had this, I would go, could you just craft that a little better, please? You know, we have a preaching team here. Easy and I always knew that God's plan was five-fold ministry for the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so we have people in differing gifts, and we believe that brings a fullness, a fullness of the gospel. But I have a very simple message. Really, I just want to share some things. And I'm going to talk about one thing. And you're like, oh, that's good. I'll be able to remember that. Because sometimes we might have three points, or we tell you to apply five principles, or there's seven steps that we might need to go through to, to get a desired result. But Really, this morning, it's just one thing. And nothing's wrong with three points or five principles or seven steps. And we've taught on those kind of things before, and that's fine. But the truth is, life can get very busy. And distractions are at an all-time high. Would you say that? Distractions are just coming at us all day long, all the time. And sometimes in the complexity that is around us, because life does not seem as simple as it once was, we can neglect to see the overwhelming, all-surpassing difference that just one thing can make in our life. Just one thing. I know many people in this room are in need of healing. And a few weeks ago, when we were here, I, I just had a picture of easy anointing people with oil for healing. And you know that for many years, God used him amazingly in a, in a miraculous healing ministry. And then We've seen healings over the years here and there, and some of you in this room could raise your hand and go, yes, I was healed. You know, Jack, my eye was healed when Sabata prayed for me, and so that healing gift is now in other people, and Cammie, you've received a healing when Easy laid hands on you at that other location, and a condition you had was just gone instantly, and 
And then Barbara was healed when she was listening to the sermon on a Monday because she wasn't in here on a Sunday because she was with the children. And so we can attest to many healings over the years. And I saw in my mind's eye easy laying hands on men for healing. And so I just made that call, and I thought four or five men would come up, but we had a line of men, and we prayed for 15 minutes. And so there was a time when, honestly, we didn't even have ibuprofen at our house for years. I mean, we were, we were not young kids, and we just didn't need it. We didn't have, our medicine cabinet was bare. We didn't have medicine because we didn't need it. And then I remember one time, Izzy was in his mid-80s, and he goes, what's that stuff people take, you know, when they're hurting? And I go, Abba, Abba, and I go, ibuprofen? And he goes, yeah, do we have any of those? And I gave him one. He was in his mid-80s. But I know that many of us now are dealing with issues, and we go, we need healing. Lord, we need healing. And so I'm very well aware of that. I remember a time if we had an altar call for sickness, it would be three or four or five people, and nobody else needed anything. But now we do, and so it's not unlike God to say, my next revival is a healing revival because he is all that we need. And whatever we have need of, he supplies. I know you've heard us say that we believe the epicenter will be the headquarters for healing and miracles in Fort Bend County because God said it. See, we say what God says. What has God said to you or about you? You need to say what he says. That's what we do because we need to agree with him. He said this, and so we're looking for the healings to start. But you know, a healing revival may not always start with healing. After Easy was supernaturally healed of gastric cancer in 2019, where the tumor literally disappeared, we experienced a flurry of healings in the church. For the next several months, for what, maybe 16, 18 months. And I believe that really faith to receive increased because of that testimony. See, and you hear, you know, you can go into a place where there's an atmosphere to receive because people have been receiving and there's just faith to receive. So be careful the atmosphere you subject yourself to. In 1989, I went to Kenneth Hagin's prayer and healing school. And I mean, you just, when you were there, there's everything about the word of God you knew was true because there was such an emphasis on the word of God and there was such a high level of faith and belief. I do believe that faith to receive increased, but also, to be honest, some people just received in the middle of worship. Just, just as we were worshiping, nobody laid hands on them, nobody talked about healing, nobody asked them to come up for prayer, and they just go, I was healed. That, that thing in my ankle that's been there for five years, it's gone just during worship. And so the truth is, in his presence, there is fullness of joy, the Bible says, but also in his presence, there is healing. And there is deliverance, and there is comfort, and there is direction. He is all that we need. He doesn't just have what we need. He is what we need. And now, some people I know just want his stuff. And they can come, and I know people who have come here, gotten prayer, been healed, and never came back. And I'm not even sure if they're in any church anywhere. They got their stuff. They got what they wanted. And I know we want healing if we have something going on in our body that's not like it should be. But I just want so much more than that. See, I want all that he has for me. And he has so much more for us. Ashley, I want to be honest with you. That day that I laid hands on you, 
I was standing there, Sabata was ministering, and the presence of God came on me so strong, it was so much, I had to give it away. And because he was praying with you, I just said, I'll just give it to Ashley. <laughs> and the overflow whooshed through me. And so if, if the anointing goes through you, it might be for somebody else, but you get wet on the inside too. Like His river goes through you, and, and you get a blessing too. And so I was like, God, woo. It's been a long time since I ministered like, woo, that felt good. And see, it's not about feelings, but then there's, sometimes we can go, there's more of God that I need to be walking in than I'm walking in. There's more power that I need to tap into. Maybe I've let my plug get a little loose and I need to make that connection right again. And so I just feel like I've seen something recently. I'm just going to give you a little book report. And I've been watching, and something's going on. And at first, it happened to one person that's in this congregation, and then it happened to another person, and, and then it happened to a few more people. And, and I'm witnessing this, and it's, it's making me take note. And I'm like, God, you're letting us know there is more that you have for us, and there is more that you're wanting to do in me. And Lord, I don't know where you're going to take us, but wherever it is, I want to go. <laughs> See, I want to be on board. I don't want to miss out. And so what I've watched, I've watched people start to experience an overwhelming sense of the presence of Jesus. And I've noticed that it's usually accompanied by weeping in people who are not the crying people. They're not the ones who cry. I remember when I first went to a meeting and my mother begged me to come and I was not used to Christian meetings or Bible studies and, and all these women were crying and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Like, I am so much happier than they are. I am not standing here crying. But see, sometimes the crying is not a bad thing and it's a softening that God is doing. And so I've seen this happen and so I go, what's going on? And they'll go, I don't know. It's like there's this intense tenderness going on and and then I'll start to talk about Jesus to them, and they start to cry. <gasps> Don't say that. <laughs> and I go, and Jesus is so, ooh, like something flurries or flutters in their heart when I say Jesus. Now, to be clear, nothing like that is happening to me. <laughs> and I am not wanting anyone to look for experiences. You know me. We have, that's not what we teach. But I would say that we all need more of Jesus. And however he wants to do it, I'm game. Last Wednesday night, before prayer, a few people during worship were weeping. I was mostly feeling tired, okay? <laughs> and we've had a challenging time. Some of you know what's going on. And, and I was just mostly feeling tired and going, oh, God, my neck sort of aches. Okay, let me, let me focus, let me focus. And, and, um, <laughs> and then I had this thought, is it possible that... I'm going to miss out on the revival that I've been praying for for all this time. Like everybody else is being touched and I'm going to be watching like a bystander. I mean, like, God, that doesn't even seem fair. And I'm happy for them, God, but I really don't want to miss out. And so I asked Alan, I go, tell me what's going on with you, Alan. Alan led worship this morning, pastor on staff and with us. And I go, how did this start? What happened to you? And normally, Alan might just go, I don't even know. I don't, I don't, even, I don't know what's going on. He sort of, sometimes can be a man of few words. And, 
But he, he, he actually explained this one to me, and he said he was working on a sermon, what, a few months ago? And he read a passage of scripture about Joseph and his father and brothers. Is that what you said? And all of a sudden, he just felt something come alive on the inside of him. Now, we don't all need to run and read a scripture about Joseph and his father and his brothers. God just used that moment for him. And he said something just (gasps) came alive on the inside of him. Like a burst of life. He just felt it. And... Really, when we think about revival, what's the definition of revival? (laughs) Something comes alive. An aliveness comes. He revives life on the inside of us. And Alan said, then he just went about his day. But at prayer that night, he began to feel overcome by the Holy Spirit, by God's presence. And then tears began to stream down his face. I've known Alan for, what, 26 years? Easy has cried way more than I've ever seen Alan cry, okay? Cammy, Janine, like I can, everybody in the church has cried more than I have ever seen Alan cry. And Alan goes, tears began to stream down my face, and I just couldn't stop them. And he goes, then prayer was over, and I went out to my car. I opened the car and got in, and I turned it on, and the worship music came on. First lyrics come out of the speaker, the tears start again. What's going on? He said, since then, at random times, uh, fairly often, the same thing happens. Now, he happened to remember that right about that same time, the Asbury Revival was going on, the Asbury College where they just preached a regular sermon and were getting ready to leave, but a few of the worship people just decided to keep singing, and the presence of God just came in an unusual way, and people began to respond to the presence of God, and and they just stayed. And then others came, and they stayed, and others stayed, and it went on for days, and people just kept staying, and people kept driving from other places, and someone I know went. And they said, you could be in that place for six hours, and it felt like no time at all. Students said there was an unexplainable peace in the room. You walked in the sanctuary and everything just felt different. There was an atmosphere that was created that they partook of and it was not like what they were used to. And so Alan said that the Asbury revival was going on at that time and he just had a feeling, just one thing, that he should just keep it on at his house when he was there, just let it play in the background. Is that what you did? Just to to sort of honor that atmosphere, honor what God was doing. We've been praying for years for revival. They're having one. Let's honor what God is doing there. And so he just let it play. And so there's a spiritual principle here of agreement and receptivity. Now, see, some people criticized it. I don't know what's going on in their life. But those who agreed with it, I believe they received something. And so... Who are we to question how God does what he does? Who are we? And so Alan told me, I felt like God wants me to be more vulnerable, and I am not going to resist the tears. See, tears may not be his thing, but he's not going to resist what God is doing or the way God is doing it. There's a yieldedness that God wants from all of us, maybe a level of yieldedness that we once had, but we're not in now. Maybe we've never had it, and it's brand new to us. You know, somebody said, people can drive, but nobody can yield. (laughs) 
And sometimes as Christians, we have trouble yielding. And like our hearken and our harden gets mixed up in what God wants us to hear and listen to, we've, we've heard it so long, we've hardened our heart to it. And there's not a yielding. And so I just basically said, God, I don't want to resist anything you want to do in me. Because I want that. See, I want my heart to be soft. I want everything that God has for me, for me to be able to receive it. I don't want it to fall on, on hardened ground or tired ground, or ground that can no longer receive. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans said this once, spiritual intimacy expands our spiritual capacity. But then spiritual capacity expands our spiritual authority. You know who you are in God because you've been with him? Because you've been with him? There's things you can do that you couldn't do when you didn't know who you were. Spiritual intimacy expands our spiritual capacity, and spiritual capacity expands our spiritual authority. I don't want to have a thimble capacity when I'm supposed to be having a barrel full. See, I don't want to have this much to give away when God wants me to have this much. And so when we trust and when we feel safe and loved, we will actually let God go to the deepest core of us. And that's exactly where he wants to go. See, that's really what it means when it says we will be strengthened with might in the inner man. Our inner man needs to be strengthened by all that he has. So a lot of our stuff has to go. And so he needs to get to the deepest core of us. Yes, he will uproot things. He might plant some things. He might destroy some things in order that he can build. But he will rework us and transformation will come. And so it makes sense to me that some of the revival that we've heard about on various campuses is marked by worship and times of intimacy. Because just being in his presence changes people. And then we heard there were healings, there were salvations, there were deliverances. But really the overriding thing we heard was his presence. Because in his presence there are all these things. And so I really believe that great exploits must be preceded by greater intimacy. Greater exploits must be preceded by greater intimacy. Letting God go to the deepest core of us. Obeying God at the slightest nudge. Now, I got in trouble for this before I got to preach this message, and God had been nudging me to do something. And I'm like, not now, God. Really? Do you know how busy I am? Do you know how full my plate is right now, God? And God would nudge me. God would nudge me. And then finally, God gave the word to somebody and told me to do it. And I went to that person. I said, I have a question to ask you. When, when you got that word, did you feel like sort of the chastening of God on it? And they go, yes, I did. I tried not to say it that way because, you know, you're older than me and I wanted to be respectful. But, yes, I felt that. And so, like, God says it and says it and says it again. And then he goes, hey. But it's not because he's mean. It's not because he needs what he's asking me to do. It's because I need it. See, it's I need it because the very prayer that I'm praying, I need it to be able for that prayer to be answered. I need it for him to fill me with all his fullness. And so I believe in this next move, we will not just have God's acts and we will not just have God's ways, but there will be a marriage of both because the Bible says that the people knew his acts, but Moses, who was intimate with him, knew his ways. And I want his ways and his acts. I want all that he is. I don't want to come back short or behind in anything. And so, you know, when, when I go to the Bible and I read about the two sisters, Mary and Martha, my whole life, 
I've identified more with Martha. <laughs> I got a word once, busy, 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 you are busy, busy, busy. And I'm like, no, I'm a good multitasker. And, um, <laughs> and so really, I, it was sort of offensive to me that Jesus didn't take up for Martha when she was worried and troubled about many things and her sister wasn't helping her because, you know, I had sisters and I felt sometimes they were lazy and I did all the work. But, you know, um, so I identified with Martha, but yet when you read the passage, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And I don't think he was mad at her. I think he was just wooing her to a place that was right for her. Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, and it won't be taken from her. What have you let take from you the good part that God has for you? One thing, he says, is needed, and sometimes one thing can change everything. One thing can change everything. In 1996, a woman in our congregation, knocked on our door, memory used, I'll never forget it, was at the little patio home we had, a little small patio home, half the size of the house we're in now, it was much easier to take care of, and um, knock, 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 and I'm like, who's here? Open the door, she goes, Pastor Lena and Pastor Easy, y'all, I know the Lord is speaking to me, I just had, I was on my way to get my groceries, and the Lord said to come here and tell you this, God is about to send a waterfall of youth, and you've got to get away and pray to hear what he says. And I'm thinking, we already have about 15 youth, and I can hardly even get a moment of, of quiet. How am I going to get away and pray? And Easy and I did one thing. We decided we were going to obey that word no matter what it took. We rented a hotel room down on the Southwest Freeway to get out of our house so that we wouldn't have the knocking of, at the door and the phone all day. And we just paid for the hotel for the day to pray. You've heard this story before. We got in the room. It was a little bit musty. I'm allergic to mildew and mold, and I was just worried about my throat and how long I was going to be able to stay in there. And Easy just praying in a way and praying in tongues, and he's having a great time, and he feels like the Lord is speaking to him, and he's getting all this stuff from God, and I'm like, I'm getting nothing. And, and I'm just walking going, oh, God, please keep me okay. Keep me breathing in here. Keep me where my throat doesn't hurt too bad. Oh, Lord, how long is he going to pray? And, um, and But while I'm doing all that, God said one thing to me. And the young men that were at our church that were meeting were meeting on a Sunday night in the church. Kirk was one of them. And, and um, Angie, I don't know if you came to those first meetings with the boys you came to. Okay. And, and it, was, it was like a few guys and Angie, and they were believing for revival in Fort Bend County. And it was like four people. And then I go, how'd the meeting go? One person came. I go, awesome, awesome. And they would preach like 50,000 people were in there. But they were getting more and more and more discouraged. And they were this close to giving up. But God said one thing. Tell the kids, quit meeting on Sunday night. Move it to Monday night. Move it out of the church. Move it into their apartment. Just one thing. I really didn't even think it was some great word from God. But I just told them. Next week we did that and seven people showed up. The next week 14, the next week 21, the next week 28. Within six weeks we had to move out of the apartment and do a clubhouse. And within about so many months we had to rent a, a place over on, uh, in Stafford on Murphy Road that held 200 people. And it went on and on until we ended up having stadium events with four and 5,000 kids. One thing. God said one thing, get away and pray. We didn't know one thing was going to change everything. We did, when God tells you a thing, you don't know what that one thing might lead to. 
See, you don't know where he's trying to take you with one thing, one thought. We had a revival movement among young people for nearly four years. Hundreds of young people got saved. Some of them are still in this room today. Some of them are in ministry in other churches. Some of them are leading worship. Some of them are on the road traveling. Hundreds of people's lives were changed. One thing. Sometimes the one thing can come by way of an instruction you didn't bargain for. Keith Moore was praying for people. He's a pastor. He was actually a student at Rhema Bible College back in the 80s when I went to their prayer and healing school. He was praying for people in a healing line, and a man came up with knee problems. And Keith asked one question, because it's what the Lord gave him. And he said, sir, do you have a bicycle? I guess the man is thinking, what, the Lord's going to give me a a car instead of a bicycle? Woo, this is going to be good. And yes, the man replied, and he goes, ride it every day. Ride it every day. That'll take care of your knee problems. And the knee problem was healed. That was the one thing. That's not what the man, the man would have probably said, can I get a Mercedes, please? But see, God said, ride it every day. One instruction from the Lord changed the problem that he'd been standing in line for that he couldn't get solved. Like Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, he's a mighty man of valor. But guess what? He was also a leper. And so he received a word from Elisha, go wash in the Jordan. The Jordan was not a place you wanted to wash in. Wash didn't even sound like the right word when you put it with Jordan. And so he said, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored. Sometimes the one thing God says might have cost our pride. The one thing might offend our sensibilities. It's just not what we expected. It's not what we had in mind. It's not even how we wanted it to be. We had a picture of how God was going to do it, and this wasn't that. But one thing can have many things attached to it. One thing, you've heard the expression, leads to another. (laughs) And God has some another's for us if we will do the one thing. And so maybe your one thing can be a besetting sin that you just can't let go of, and it's standing in the way. Maybe it's a habit that God has convicted you of over and over, but you just keep ignoring the problem. Don't do that anymore. Quit saying that every time. But you just, we're people of habit. We just do what comes easily. You know, Alan's talked about it. We've all talked about it. You know, the, the, in the brain, it's just easier to do what you've been doing than the new thing. But God says, do a new thing because I have new things for you. Maybe it's a command or a word he's given us, and we just keep pushing it to the side. Or maybe it's just a weak area that he wants to make strong so that we will be ready for the more. You know, when I was in my mid-50s, gosh, that sounds old, but that was so long ago. When I was in my mid-50s, I just turned 71 last week, I decided I wanted to start working out. You know, easy is Mr. Workout person. He would wake up at, what was it, 4.16 every morning and be at the gym at 4.45 so that when it opened at 5, he would be there with his workout partner. And by the time I woke up, he had already worked out, been to breakfast, and had three meetings. You know, he worked out his whole life. And for a while, he worked out with the Vander Holyfield. (laughs) And so I'd never worked out. I had never lifted a weight. I'd never been to a gym. But... I was really great at my three-mile speed walk. I could ace that three-mile speed walk, and I was fast. Like, some people probably couldn't run as fast as I walked. And so 
I wanted to work out, though, and I didn't, you know, want to go in and look stupid. And so Lisa Pendleton was on our worship team, and she was used to working out. And so she started me on a simple workout program. I got familiar with weights, you know, what they were and what weights would be appropriate to start with. The word sets, I knew what sets meant, proper form, you know, on some things. And I got familiar enough so that by the time I signed up for a few training sessions at our gym, I was feeling a little bit more confident about myself. And I felt like the trainer would think, for my age, you know, I was actually pretty good. Because he told me on the phone that when I came in, they were going to assess me. So I thought, okay, I'm ready for this assessment. And I hoped he would ask me to do a few bicep curls, because I had gotten really good at that, and I knew my form. And I thought he might ask, like, what's your time on your three miles? And, woo, how fast? Woo, that's fast. Man, how old are you? Woo. And I was, like, ready. But instead, he just asked me to do one thing. One thing. And he said, do a squat, please. And I said, what? And he said, do a squat. And I said, I, I don't really know what that is. <laughs> how, what, um, we hadn't been doing that. And so he demonstrated a few times, and I watched as carefully as I could, and I did my very level best to do the exact same thing. And he got this checklist out, and he checked off seven or eight things that I did wrong in one squat that he knew he needed to work on. After he saw me do one squat, he could label all my weak areas. And he knew that's what I had to strengthen. That's what his job was cut out to do. One thing showed him all those things. And sometimes God is like that. He will say one thing to us. And often it's the one thing that we really didn't want him to call attention to. <laughs> it's the one thing that we have an excuse for. It's the one thing that we'll get to that later. Or it's the one thing we just don't want God to focus on. But the truth is, I know that in your heart of hearts and in mine, we don't want one thing to come between me and Jesus, or one thing to be in the way of all that he really, really, really has for us. So really, my question today is, what is he saying to you? What is he saying to you today? Is there an area of disobedience that you need to repent of? I, I had to. Is there something he's asked you to do that you've been ignoring? Is there just one thing that maybe it's not like you, but he said it doesn't have to be like you. I want you to be like me. Is there one thing that you would resist and say, no, I don't want you to do it that way? Because truthfully, the one thing that we all want is more of him. And so there shouldn't be any other thing in the way between us and him. Whatever you do, don't think that one thing won't make a difference. One act of surrender and I gave my life to Jesus, and I, my whole eternal destiny changed. One word of knowledge changed the course of many people's lives, altered their course. One prayer of faith healed the sick and made a blind man see. Just one thing. So stand to your feet with me. Lord, we do really want to hearken to your voice. And Lord, I feel that you are extending an invitation to us. And Lord, sometimes we taste that you are good, but sometimes we see what's happening to other people, and that makes us want to taste. And so, God, we want all that you have for us. 
God, we're not just looking for experiences. We're looking for you to transform us. We're looking for you to move in our inner man. We're looking for you to strengthen us with might in the inner man so that our capacity is stretched, so that we're truly the new wineskins that you can pour the new wine into. God, we want to be ready for all you have for us. We don't want to come short in any good thing. And so if you need healing today, God is here because he is all that you need. Sabata, if you'll come up here, and if you need healing and you want Sabata, he'll pray for you for healing. If, if you've never accepted Jesus and surrendered your life to him, just raise your hand and we, we will pray with you today. And this will be the beginning for you. If you just say, Lord, I want a, a, a new level of surrender. Alan, if you'll come up and, and pray for those who just, I want a new level of surrender in my life. I just want, God, however you want to do it, even if it's not like me, Lord, I just want more of you. Lord, if you're, and, and if you're here and he's just saying to you, and you don't even need anybody to pray with you, but he's just saying one thing to you, don't despise the day of small beginnings. See, don't think that that one thing won't make a difference because that one thing can lead to another thing and can lead to everything that God has for you. So, Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you do not just extend something to us and there's no fulfillment. We thank you that there's always a fruition of what you promise. And, Lord, you promise that you have more for us. You promise that there's more, Lord. Lord, I just thank you to fill us with all the fullness of God.